Rome teaches, of course, that Mary was sinless from her conception, that she lived a sinless life, that her body was absolutely pure, and that her body is now ascended and in heaven. She is given titles and worship, which are certainly not based on the Bible. And this is one of the areas of deep concern to all Bible readers. Where do we find a biblical example for us to worship, pray to Mary? Welcome to Let the Bible Speak and continuing on our study of Roman Catholicism in light of the Word of God, the Bible. And today we're going to deal again with this whole idea of a mediator. Should we pray to any other apart from the Lord Jesus? Now, Mary receives a lot of attention amongst Roman Catholics and in the church and even by popes. And we wonder, should Mary be worshipped? Should Mary be uh, interceded to or unto? And uh, I just want to give you one example in the book of Luke chapter 11, a place where the Lord Jesus turned down an opportunity to exalt Mary. The Lord Jesus was going about his daily ministry, and it says, It came to pass, as he spake these things, a certain woman of the company lifted up her voice and said unto him, Blessed is the womb that bare thee, and the paps which thou hast sucked. So here is a woman, and she is giving great honor to the Lord, but also to Mary, the one who bore the Lord Jesus into this world in her own body. Now, it's very interesting to know how the Lord responds to this. If he was giving credence to what is taught now in the Roman Catholic Church of exalting Mary, praying to Mary, worshiping Mary, calling her a co-redemptrix in the whole plan of salvation— uh, what, how does the Lord respond here? Just listen. And when he said, Yea, rather, blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it. And so this is the Lord Jesus speaking. And he brushes away this whole adulation of Mary, the one who brought our Lord Jesus into the world. And he says, Yea, rather, Blessed, blessed, happy, privileged are those who hear the word of God and keep it. And of course, Mary did that. Mary did hear the word of God. She did keep it. She pondered these things. She kept them in her heart. She was a believer in the Lord Jesus. She confessed her sin to the Lord Jesus. She called upon the Lord Jesus to be her Redeemer. And she put her trust in Christ, and so should each and every one. But there is no biblical mandate to put our trust in Mary as a Savior, nor to pray unto her. Now, that will be a great part of our message here today as we come to the Word of God and as we look at this whole matter. And also, we'll be looking at the issue of dead saints versus living saints. And so please stay tuned with us. Now we begin with our message and song, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound. May this gospel hymn thrill your heart today.
teachers, preachers, pastors, evangelists, and so on, prophets, pastors, and teachers. And this is a description of the church, the New Testament church. And it says, he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now you'll notice what's absent there. Sacrifice is absent, blood is absent, and priest is absent. There is now in New Testament church worship no more sacrifice because Christ is our great sacrifice. There is now no more blood in New Testament worship. Because it is the blood of Jesus, his own blood, that atones for our souls. And there is no longer a priest, because the Lord Jesus is our priest. And he is now in the heavens. He is interceding and praying for us. If I must have my sins forgiven, then I must go to him. I must go and pray directly to my great high priest and ask for the forgiveness of soul. Now, there is a sense in which in the New Testament, every Christian is a priest. And some people come back and say, well, does that not give you the, the office of a priest? Well, in 1 Peter 2.9, it talks about every one of us being the royal children of God and priests. But if you look at 1 Peter 2.9, you will see again that there's no sacrifice, there's no blood, there's no temple, there is no such ceremony, there is New Testament worship by all the saints or all the Christians who are worshiping the Lord. And everyone in that sense is a priest, and that, which means everyone can pray directly to God. Isn't this wonderful? You are a priest tonight. You can go in through the veil directly to God. There is no longer a veil keeping you out that you need a middleman. There is no need for a new sacrifice. What was wrought and finished at Calvary is sufficient. And so the office of priest is no longer in the New Testament church. And we say, as the reformers often had the motto, no priest but Christ. And yet, that office is so elevated. Last week, we were in Toronto for our international congress. There was an outing on the Saturday to a town called Gananoque uh, on the St. Lawrence River at the Thousand Islands. Uh, it's about two and a half hour drive east of Toronto. We had an hour after our little trip to just spend time in the town, and we were walking up, and I came across, or we all came across, this Roman Catholic church. The doors were open, and so we entered in. And I picked up this little article, uh, a newspaper. It was by a seminarian, a young priest, who was, you know, promoting the office of priesthood. You want to read that? The priest is the gift of God. The priest is in the, is in the stead of God. All grace from the Lord comes through the priest. And from his hands and from his ministry, there flows to the individual worshiper the grace of God. 
What folly. A middleman, a mediator, effectively, cannot be. Christ's mediatorial work is also denied in the Church of Rome through the office of and the elevation of Mary. Now, you're no stranger to the reality that in the Church of Rome, uh, Mary is elevated to a very high position. Her pictures, her statues, her images are ubiquitous. They are all over the world, wherever Roman Catholicism is. Uh, Mary worship is promoted. Roman Catholics are taught to use the rosary, Heal Mary, Mother of God. Uh, I can't quote it all. I was not raised a Roman Catholic. I have read it. I have seen the references and the elevation of Mary in the prayers of Roman Catholics. Rome teaches, of course, that Mary was sinless from her conception, that she lived a sinless life, that her body was absolutely pure, and that her body is now ascended and in heaven. She is given titles and worship, which are certainly not based on the Bible. And this is one of the areas of deep concern to all Bible readers. Where do we find a biblical example for us to worship, pray to Mary? When we read the Bible, we find that she was a young woman of ordinary caliber. Very privileged, no doubt, to be chosen to bring the body of our Lord Jesus into the world. And yet she confessed her need of her Savior. She was not sinless. We find her at the cross when our Lord Jesus was dying there. We find her in the upper room praying for the Holy Spirit to descend with all the others. There's no reference to anyone praying to Mary even for a moment. She became a disciple of the Lord Jesus. We know nothing in the Bible of her death or her departure from this world. And I want to read to you what is the official teaching or position of the Church of Rome. I take this from the 1995 Catechism of the Roman Catholic Church. It is all the imprimatur of the Vatican and the Roman Catholic Church. And in this Catechism it says, The motherhood of Mary in the order of grace continues uninterruptedly from the consent which he loyally gave at the Annunciation, and which he sustained without wavering beneath the cross, until the eternal fulfillment of all the elect. Taken up to heaven, she did not lay aside this saving office, but by her manifold intercession, underline that word, her manifold intercession continues to bring us the gifts of eternal salvation, Therefore, the Blessed Virgin is invoked in the church under the titles of Advocate, Helper, Benefactress, and Mediatrix. Now, Mediatrix is the feminine for mediator. And there, in their own theology, in their own confession, they teach that Mary is a mediator, a mediatrix, to put it in the feminine. Now, the Church of Rome will defend itself by saying that the worship that is offered to Mary is not the same kind of worship that is given to the Lord Jesus. They call it veneration. And yet in one place I find the word adoration. 
Um, I read this again from the same catechism. The church's devotion to the Blessed Mary is intrinsic to Christian worship. Note that. This is intrinsic. This is essential and permeated in their worship. The church rightly honors the Blessed Virgin with special devotion. Now, when you see a Roman Catholic pray to Mary on their knees before an image, can that person differentiate between veneration and adoration, between worship that is latria in the uh, Latin language and in the average honor that we would call in English? Can the Roman Catholic differentiate as they come with a burden of sin and a longing for help, pleading for an advocate, calling her a mediatrix? No, this is to rob our Lord Jesus of the unique and singular office which our God and Heavenly Father has given to His Son. And as millions of Roman Catholics each and every day pray to Mary, what are they giving to her? Omniscient. She has to be all-knowing. How can millions of people pray to an average human person? She must be a God to understand and receive such prayers. And then to answer those prayers, she must again be a God with omnipotence. And so you see in practical sense they elevate Mary to a position that is way beyond the Bible. And this Mariolatry is not some ancient aspect of Roman Catholicism alone. This is not something, well, that's medieval Roman Catholic religion before the Protestant Reformation, and now it's over. John Paul II, the previous pope to the present Benedictine, he is credited with doing more for the elevation of Mary than any other pope in his term of office. It was late in the 1800s that Mary was given this uh, position of uh, being the mother of God. And so you see the Church of Rome is advancing and promoting what is blasphemy to the office, work, and person of our Lord Jesus. Now there's another area of multiplying mediators, and that is the saints. In the Church of Rome, there are any number of saints that are used. From my perspective, having just this year read a book on the history of the church from the apostles to the Reformation days, I understand that saints entered Christianity under Rome when Constantine, who was the emperor uh, going to battle in the year 325, he saw a vision, a vision of a cross. And the vision told him, in this or with this sign, conquer. And it was the battle of Malvian Bridge, and he did conquer. And in his nostalgia with Christianity, he decreed that the Roman Empire should be Christian. And whole nations were baptized into Christianity. Now you can understand that it was not real conversion, but many people took the name of Christian, but they brought with them their pagan deities, their Greek and Roman gods, and they called them saints.
To some, they were given special dates. They wouldn't let them go. And so those dates were dedicated in the calendar of Rome under Christianity. And Roman Catholics were allowed or taught to continue to pray to these other images, legends, deities, gods of their own bringing from paganism. I do not have time to talk about all the saints that Rome addresses or encourages people to pray to or refer to. I looked at one called St. Christopher, the patron saint of travelers. And you may even see people in their cars have little images of St. Christopher. The legend that I uh, dug up, Christopher was a Canaanite. He was 7.5 feet tall with a fearsome face. And while serving the king of Canaan, he took into his head to go and serve the greatest king that was there. He went to the king who was reputed to be the greatest. But one day he saw the king cross himself at the mention of the devil. On thus learning that the king feared the devil, he departed to look for the devil. He came across a band of marauders, who, uh, one of whom declared himself to be the devil. So Christopher decided to serve him. But when he saw his new master avoid a wayside cross and found out that the devil feared Christ, he left him and inquired from the people where to find Christ. He met a hermit who instructed him in the Christian faith. Christopher asked him how he could serve Christ. When the hermit suggested fasting and prayer, Christopher replied that he was unable to perform that service. The hermit then suggested that because of his size and strength, Christopher could serve Christ by assisting people to cross a dangerous river where they were perishing in the attempt. Now, I do put no credit on this legend. I have no ability to source nor put any value to this at all, but this is the kind of legend that floats around about St. Christopher. And he is now called the traveler's patron saint because he is known as helping people to cross. There's another legend that he was helping a child across this bridge. And when he went to lift the child, he was exceedingly heavy. And when he carried him across that bridge almost to his own ruin, he discovered that this child was Christ and that he was so heavy because he was carrying the sins of the world. These are the legends. These are the notions that are in people's minds. And then to pray to St. Christopher for safety in travel. Is this not to rob our Lord Jesus of his office, of his work, of his glory? Mother Teresa, by the way, is on the way to beatification. She may be one to whom Roman Catholics one day will pray. She becomes a saint at some point. How many saints are there in the Roman Catholic religion? I haven't a clue. But it tells us the error, the fallacy of a system that undoes the work of the Lord Jesus. Another that I dug up was Dominic, the patron saint of astronomers. And he said, Do not weep, for I shall be more useful to you after my death, and I shall help you then more effectively than during my life. 
these words were stated at his deathbed. And so these are dead saints who are supposedly now in glory. And we're to pray. Roman Catholic Church encourages people to pray to such people. And they can be of more help after their death than before. This is darkness. This is the stuff of legends. I call it the stuff of nonsense. And any who follow this teaching deny the honor and office of our Lord Jesus. Thank you for joining with us here on Let the Bible Speak today as we've been dealing with the errors of Roman Catholicism and especially this error of worshiping saints. Whereas the Bible says there is one mediator between God and men. And then we hear of men who look forward to being dead that they might benefit the church more after their death. Well, I find in the Bible that when the apostles wrote to their letters to various Christians, they wrote to them as saints. For example, the letter to the church at Ephesus, Ephesians 1 verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. So there's the mark of saints, but the thing to note is that they were living at the time when this letter was written. And so, biblically speaking, saints are those who are in Christ Jesus, believers who are saved by the Lord. Now, the word saint comes from the Greek word hagia, meaning holy, set apart. And that is true of everyone that is saved from their sins. We are saved from the power of sin, We are saved from the guilt of sin, the penalty of it, and one day we'll be saved from the presence of it. But every Christian can call himself a saint. If you are not changed and made holy by the gospel, then you have not the gospel at all, because this is the gospel which is according to godliness. And so every born-again Christian, saved by grace, looking unto Jesus by faith, is made holy and is addressed as a saint. So don't get hung up that these people who are supposedly made saints by a church or the decree of a pope, uh, this is really ludicrous and it's far removed from the Bible. It is the stuff of imagination. It is the stuff of fallacy. And it leads millions and millions of people astray. Can you imagine people who uh, get down on their knees to worship saints, to call upon the names of saints, whereas the Bible instructs us to use the name of the Lord Jesus? Uh, That's the only name that there is we are given uh, among men, whereby we must be saved. The name of the Lord Jesus. He said, whatsoever we ask in his name. He is the mediator between God and men. And so let's get our theology right. Let's get our thinking right. And let's get back to the Bible and be done with this notion that you can be saved or helped in any spiritual manner by praying to the dead. It is really off-the-wall stuff. And so we call you back to the gospel to put your simple trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as the only Redeemer of God's elect, 
the only mediator between God and men. Now, thank you for listening today, and if I can be of any personal help, if you have questions, feel free to give us a call. We have this booklet, World Religions Made Easy, $5 in the meal. Just give us a call, and now please just stay tuned with us as we give you all the details in our announcements at the close. You are listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio broadcast of the Free Presbyterian Church in Canada. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. If you missed part of today's program or would like to hear it again, you can find it archived by program date on our website. Just go to www.ltbs.ca, CA for Canada. There you can read my blog, find my Bible study notes, audio and video sermons, as well as helpful articles. Or you can go to our podcast on iTunes. We're on the air Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for our full church broadcast and Monday to Friday, 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. on this station to bring you the gospel from our free Presbyterian church here in Cloverdale. We also invite you to our church services on Sundays, 10.30 and 6 p.m. Through our website, you can listen and view to our online services at 10.30 and 6 p.m. Make it your Sunday worship. Click on the Live Now button on the homepage of our website. Or if you would like to talk with me one-on-one as a pastor, please give me a call. The phone number is 604-897-2040. The mailing address is 187-9058 Avenue, Surrey, B.C., V3S1M6. We're located just two blocks north of Number 10 Highway on 188th Street. Our website again is ltbs.ca. You can join us Monday to Friday, 5 a.m., 5 p.m. here on this station as we let the Bible speak.